one way that I try to be authentic is I think I question things a lot and I always try to ask myself, do I like this thing because I feel like I'm supposed to like this thing or society tells me I should like this thing or do I actually like this thing? It's like, you know, if I could somehow isolate myself from the world and its expectations and pressures, who would I be? Like, what would I actually want to do? Who's the person I would like to be like? And I think when I really think about that, you, you start identifying I guess, the authentic parts of yourself. This is episode 13 with Pavi Ravi. Pavi is a PhD scholar at the DLR, the German Aerospace Center, where she works on AI-based concepts for satellite collision avoidance. She's held internships at Hypersciences in the United States and the Institute of Space Systems, TU Braunschweig in Germany. She's also spent a semester abroad at the University of Bristol. Pavi is passionate about solo traveling, space situational awareness, refugee aid, and talking to strangers. Our recording starts now. Hello, welcome to Wellness Wednesdays for Minorities in STEM. Today we'll be talking about authenticity, intentionality, and alignment with Pavi in um, kind of accordance with Pride Month and just paying a nod to being your authentic self as a international student and at the intersection of being a woman of color in aerospace who's an international student um, who's LGBTQ. So. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited for this conversation. Pavi is an international student from Singapore, currently wrapping up her master's in aeronautics and astronautics at Purdue. She is an incoming PhD scholar at DLR, the German Aerospace Center, where she will work on AI-based concepts for satellite collision avoidance. She has held internships at Hypersciences and the Institute of Space Systems, um, and TU Braunschweig, I totally butchered that. She has also spent a semester abroad at the University of Bristol in the UK. Pavi is passionate about solo traveling, space situational awareness, refugee aid, and talking to strangers. I'll be inviting her on now. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, yeah, I can. Okay. Um, so I'd love to introduce myself to your audience. Um, hello, everyone. I'm Ricky. I'm a international graduate student studying aerospace engineering at Georgia Tech and currently working in the urban air mobility industry. Um, I host these chats every week and with my series Wellness Wednesdays for minorities in STEM, I hope to challenge the norm with the audacious notion that to succeed, you have to take utmost care of yourself first, intellectually, socially, spiritually, and physically before anything else, particularly amongst us minorities. And my goal is to empower the next generation of STEM leaders by encouraging them to use wellness tools to their advantage. So Fabi, thank you so much for being here with me, um, helping me amplify my voice and my message and 
helping me amplify your incredible story and everything that you're all about. So oh my yeah, God. thank you for being thank here. You so much for having me. You're such a gem. I like this is so exciting. Okay. Um so I always start these conversations um by asking my guest if you had to describe yourself in a catchy sentence, what would it be? Ooh, I would say, let's see. I'm a Singaporean Indian who is passionate about space debris, solo travel, ripping off my bio here, um, <laughs> eating amazing vegan food, and talking to people who are very different from me. So I love talking to people from different cultures, talking to strangers, hearing their stories, stuff like that. Yeah, so excited to have you um, just being a fellow Singaporean Indian myself. Um, okay, so my second question is, how um, has your specific school helped you manifest the difference that you want to make in STEM? Uh, so I've kind of introduced you as someone who cares about um, space situational awareness and space debris. Um, what do you want to do with that to make a difference in STEM? Ooh, I guess, so the main reason I'm studying space debris is because I found a passion for space sustainability. Honestly, if you just Google space debris, there's this really cool website called Stuff in Space, and it really puts things in perspective. I think when you realize just how crowded orbit is, and you're like, at the rate we're launching stuff, in like 10 years, we're not going to be able to launch anything else. So just that just that idea in itself made me really passionate about this field and I guess the long-term impact that I want to leave behind is making sure we have safe access to space for generations to come because the only way we can go to Mars and beyond is if we can actually launch something that can exit orbit you know yeah no I hear you um, so <laughs> jumping right into the topics at hand with intentionality first can you tell me a little bit about the series of moments or the moment that helped confirm that space debris work was what you wanted to do right after school. Uh, what kind of helped that click in your mind, particularly as a international student who's often, um, uh, who often picks up on the message that uh, space is um, hard to get into, or if your country doesn't have a space agency, um, it's gonna be a really long winding path um, what kind of helped lock in your passion? Um, and then I'll kind of get into like how you got there later with intentionality. Sure thing. Um, I think one thing that I realized is the space industry is bigger than the U.S. And I think a lot of international students, especially in the U.S., including me, when I first got here, you hear the big names. You're like NASA, Boeing, Lockheed. And you think, okay, that's where I need to go. And then you do a quick search, you look at their job postings, and you're like, wait, I can't even work here. So what on earth am I going to do? And I think I was very stubborn about doing aerospace. And a lot of people try to talk me out of it, as I'm sure a lot of international students in aerospace can relate. Everyone's like, mm, maybe you want to do mechanical with an aerospace focus or classic. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure this is what you want to do? Like, you're never going to find a job. And... I was like, the world is such a big place. Like, are you telling me no one will hire me if I have an aerospace degree? Like, I find that pretty hard to believe that not one person in the world is going to see our talent. 
And that's when I started doing a bunch of Googling, like companies that hire foreigners or places international students in aerospace can work. And then you find out about the European space sector, which is a whole different ball game. And coupled with that, there, there are also space tech companies popping up all over the place in Asia. Um, I know like Singapore has some space startups, Dubai has some space startups, there's plenty in Japan. So I think I just really want to tell international students like there is a world of opportunity waiting for you. And I think when I realized that I just started feeling a lot better about what I was doing and it really helped me believe that I can have a career in aerospace as an international student. Um, and also, what was your question? I feel like, yeah. like I got so I was, into this. I was like, no, you're totally fine. Um, my question was um, just, can you tell me about the moment or the series of moments that helped confirm what that space debris was what you wanted to do after school? Certainly, yeah. So, so when I was in university, I definitely wanted to go abroad. And I had this really great opportunity to do an internship at the Institute of Space Systems in Braunschweig, Germany. And um, over there, I was randomly assigned to the Space Debris Project. So that was entirely by chance. And I was working on this really cool problem of um, automating the maintenance of critical space debris modeling parameters. So in simple terms, I wanted to create this tool where if you click a button, it instantly shows you the current state of the space debris environment. So it pulls data from different catalogs and it compares those values and numbers with what they had at, the, at their database and updates them accordingly. So anyway, that was the first time I really thought about space debris and I was like, oh my God, this is a huge problem. Like, why is no one talking about this? And yeah, I think I was just hooked onto this problem. And I realized that there was a faculty member at Purdue who was doing something very similar. So I worked with her and I did a semester of undergraduate research. And then I talked to her and I was like, do you think I could do my master's with you? And she was like, obviously, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> so things really worked out from that one summer that really started things for me. Um, and yeah, ever since it was just seeking out other opportunities to stay in that field. Right, yeah. Um, and so I guess my question, like following up to that is, it's always easy to connect the dots backwards um, when but when looking ahead, our choices may be harder to make. Um, so how did you go about intentionally choosing the opportunities that you did after that? So can you speak to, um, you know, really enjoying this project? And then um, you kind of um, touched on this briefly, like reaching out to the professor at Purdue. Um, sometimes international students, like, they have good experiences, but maybe it doesn't, like, occur to them to reach out to professors, maybe to uh, do a master's program and maybe they're thinking okay I already have like a bachelor's degree I did some internships I should just like try to do this now there's this sense of urgency um, of I just I just want this experience now but um, maybe we um, kind of don't like knock on every door so can you speak to realizing that you had to reach out to like a professor to pursue your master's because that was a better path to getting to what you want definitely yeah so I guess the reason I wanted to do a master's in the first place was 
Um, I don't know if you can relate, but after I finished my undergrad, I felt like I knew a little bit about a lot of things. But I was like, I don't know if I trust myself to actually go and, you know, do something. So I think I really knew I wanted to go to grad school to build a, a solid foundation in a specific area of research. And yeah, you're totally right. I think people are, we're so hesitant to reach out to people. And one of the best things that I think like really changed my life was when I, you st when you start seeing professors as people, like they're honestly not some scary entity that's gonna like, that's just there to judge you and do nothing else. But I remember towards the end of my undergrad, I, I think I talked to at least three different professors and I, I think I just, I actually sent out like 10 emails, but three of them spoke to me, which was very nice. And I think I was literally like, hey, do you mind if I talk to you for just 30 minutes? I'd love to hear more about the work you do. I'd love to see if I could be a good fit for your research group. And yeah, I think you just have to, it's a numbers game. If you email 50 people, maybe 10 will get back to you. And I think it's the same with applying to jobs or even sending out LinkedIn connections. So when I was doing my job search, I think I direct messaged at least 100 people on LinkedIn. And like five people replied to me. But I think all these little connections we make go a long way. And yeah, I after so after, you know, that summer research program, and I was like, okay, kind of want to do space debris. I yeah, I was like, I made a list of professors who could potentially bring me closer to that, to that end goal of working in this field. And yeah, that, that's honestly how I did it. Just bugging all the people you, you can get your hands on. Okay, so in terms of kind of going back and picking out the takeaways for kind of the ESPN highlight reel of what you just said, um, you applied for an internship, which you got, and then you got put into a project that you absolutely loved. And so as you were in that project, you were thinking, okay, in undergrad, I don't feel like I've learned everything that I want to learn. And I feel like there's still more to learn in this specific area that I care about. Let me look up some professors um, who are working in this area and then let me write to them. And simultaneously, let me reach out to people on LinkedIn that are also working in this area. So that being said, can you repeat what um, the phrases that you uh, just said about like, emailing your professors I think anyone listening right now or later um who might be like uncertain about what to say when um it feels daunting or scary or just like a really big deal because it's something they really care about um and they don't want to screw up reaching out to someone um what is like what has helped you reach out like how did you reach out what was what are some sentences that you used in this email or LinkedIn message that you can share with us Sure, that's a really good question. I will say keep it short. Professors are busy and even people you reach out to who are professionals don't have the time to read a giant paragraph. So what I usually do is I start with something about their work. So it shows them that I've done my research and I'm not just like randomly shooting them a message. So what I try to do is I'm like, hey, I looked at your website, I looked at your blog and I noticed that you do research in this specific area and I noticed that you may be looking for a position or you might you know, want some more grad students in this area of research. Um, here's a bit about me, a brief sentence that relates myself to their research. So I usually say something like, hey, I have this skill set that might be useful in the research that you do. 
um, can I please have 30 minutes of your time? I would love to hear about your story. And I think I really try to keep it about them. So I try not to be like, I can do this for you. I'm gonna solve your problem, but more like, you are so inspiring and like, I really want to learn from you and I wanna see how I can, where, where I can fit in in your organization or your research um, group. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I guess this is really a message to any and all international students who reach out um, to professors or um, professionals or even to the two of us. It's really helpful if you keep the message short, you focus on how the person at the other end of the screen has inspired you to reach out to them. So like doing your research on them saying, hey, you did this thing and this inspired me and I would love to be um, talking to you. Do you have time on your schedule for like 15 minutes or 30 minutes I would love to hear your story and see how I can like fit into whatever vision you've casted um so that it's like a connection with someone's like soul and it's not transactional and it doesn't feel icky exactly yeah and try not to make them feel like they owe you something Absolutely. so don't just say something like I want to see if you will hire me or like I want to see if, like, can I be your grad student? Like, try not to put that, like, in the first Pressure, right. Because that instantly makes them want to not reply to you because they're like, oh, I don't know if I can take, take on another grad student. Like, I don't know if I have funding, so they probably won't commit to something. But if you just want to talk, I think a lot of people will be happy to just have a conversation with you. Right, absolutely. Um, and I've received emails in the past with um, folks like telling me everything about them in a really long way. So I just want to <laughs> emphasize that um, for any professional or professor or even student like ourselves, um, who are so happy and willing to help other international students. Um, not everyone has like uh, the time or the energy always to like read a long email. So if you have like a link or a portfolio or um, something else to like understand your story better I think that really um yeah speaks volumes to the effort that's a really good idea yeah (laughs) um so I wanted to come jump into the topic after this which was alignment and um just the tools that helped you get into alignment because again you are able to align yourself with all of these opportunities and um really seek them out whereas other people who are international students might have to bounce around a little bit to get what they want and I always share that um you're building a jigsaw puzzle and any piece you pick up is a good piece because ultimately the end like the puzzle is still being built right but Mm -hmm. at the same time if you're able to um understand what alignment means for you you can kind of seek those um seek those experiences um, like more authentically, which is like literally the third topic. Um, But yeah, so what tools helped you bring you into alignment? And then how did you seek or budget for those tools? So for example, for me, one of the things um, that's brought me into alignment is um, a coaching platform that I've posted about um, on my Instagram profile. And for, uh, to seek it out or to budget for it, I um, had to like set some money aside from my graduate tuition to be able to pay for this platform because I knew that it was important to me. Um, so yeah, I was wondering what it has been for you and how did you, how were you able to pay for it or seek it? Sure. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know if this counts, but I would I would say travel in a in a way helped bring me into alignment, especially so after the summer research thing, which I did in 2017. I one thing I realized is, oh my God, I love Germany and I would love to live in Europe. And I think studying abroad or even traveling to a place, you learn a lot about their local, not just their culture, but from a, I guess, working standpoint, you learn about their industry. And so I think I learned a lot about the German space sector during that time. And I was like, I, I think I would fit in well here. And they also hire foreigners, which is great. <laughs> and, and also the work-life balance, the quality of life, I think in Europe just like really resonated with me. So I was itching to get back. So in 2018, when I had the opportunity to study abroad, I was like, unfortunately, it was in Germany, it was in the UK, which is so cool. But I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to take this opportunity. And it, and I, then you learn about the UK space sector. You, It just gives you this perspective of life in the UK. So and during the weekends, um, when I was in Europe, I would travel a lot. And of course, yes, budgeting for that, very important. I had an Excel spreadsheet and I try to keep track of my finances. Also gets pretty confusing fast when you're dealing with multiple currencies. So it's like, okay, I'm going to this place with a hundred euros. I convert 50 of it into whatever. And yeah, it gets complicated pretty fast. But the way I planned my travels was I would look at the cheapest place and I would only travel by bus. So, and trust me, I, I think the longest bus ride was like, 30 hours. It was from Zagreb all the way back to Braunschweig in Germany. Yeah, it was <laughs> a pretty, pretty wild ride. But yeah, you so what I would do is I would find, okay, there's a cheap ticket 20 euros to Vienna next week, I'm gonna go. So that's how I picked where I wanted to go based on the cheapest ticket. And yeah, during these um, adventures, you meet a lot of different people and you learn a lot about yourself and your interests and not to sound cheesy, like how travel changed my life, but <laughs> in a way, I think you learn a lot about yourself, not just the country you're in or the people you're with. So in a way, I think it really, by looking at so many different people's journeys and hearing their stories, hearing how they were pursuing their passions, I think you start to think about what do I want out of my life? And I'm like, it just gave me a sense of clarity that I feel like staying in one place could not have given me. Right. So I guess my takeaway from that is like when you put yourself into new and uncomfortable situations, even if you don't have like the money to like go to a different continent to um, be able to like ask and answer yourself, ask and answer those questions, um, putting yourself in whatever uncomfortable situation might prompt you to ask those questions anyways um, and if not, like being introspective, just like through journaling can help provide like <laughs> a cheap alternative to traveling to Europe to, <laughs> at, ooh, to ask yourself those questions. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, that's a really good point. So I will say travel is absolutely a privilege. And yeah, you're right. You do not have to leave your country or even your city. Chances are like- Or your room. <laughs> or your room. Like- chances are there's so many different people just at your university or in your program you just have to talk to them and like reach out and make that effort because yeah and I think the more you just hear different perspectives and different 
stories of people, I guess, trying to forge their own path, you start, I don't know, I think it just like really brings together what you can do in your own life. Absolutely. Um, so I guess like following up to that, how did you, um, or what has helped you remain in alignment, um, such as like seeking certain relationships or choosing who surrounds you? So for example, after you had this trip and you came back, um, you kind of came back to the same uh, environment that you were in that um, like told you certain things or like uh, gave you certain limitations almost. So how did you um, kind of address those limitations in Europe and then come back to uh, feel like you weren't limited anymore? Like how did you maintain being the changed person that you were? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, so, so actually at Purdue, I was part of this program called GEAR, which is the Global Engineering Alliance for Research and Education. Essentially, it comprises of a semester study abroad, an internship you do in the US, an internship you do abroad, which was my Germany summer thingy. Um, you also learn 12 credits of a foreign language, and I learned German, though I'm quite bad at it now because I forgot <laughs> a lot of it. Um, and you, there's this global design team project. And you also take three intercultural competence courses. So I feel like, so I was a part of this program, so it was helpful to and I had some friends in the program. And in grad school, I actually TA'd for this program. So I was very much like, it's funny because- In, in my, the thick of it. Yeah, I, exactly. So in my office, we were constantly talking about different countries, talking about our different study abroad programs, our different like research internship programs, like for different engineering um, research areas. So I think, and that was an active decision on my part. I definitely, I knew in grad school, I could have been like a TA for, I don't know, math or some engineering class, but I think being a full-time engineering student and TAing engineering, I think for a lot of people that makes sense and they're happy to do it. I think for me personally, it's, it's a bit much and I wanted a sort of break or an outlet. And I was, yeah, in this whole intercultural competence for engineering bubble, which I think I really appreciated. It's a really special bubble. And um, yeah, I wish I was able to like seek something like that out um, at Georgia Tech because my experience became infinitely better when I was able to find other international students in aerospace who were having um, similar challenges, but were so um, inspired to tackle those challenges. And um, yeah, it's like find people who have a similar spark. Exactly. Yeah. Like you surrounding yourself with people who inspire you, with people who make you, who believe in your dream and are there to like every day, you know, you're excited to see them. You're excited to, yeah, I guess not only see them, but also be your best self. And you're like, I can tackle my challenges today because I have people around me who, who are supporting me. And are absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think in the same vein, like taking it very seriously when anyone discourages you and like taking it not like not taking their message personally, but remembering who they are. <laughs> I think remembering who they are is really important because it gives you like um, just it clears your path for you. You're like, OK, well, you're not going to be on this like journey with me. Like, yeah. thank you for making that so clear to me. Like, 
I'm grateful for you. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. So in the future, they give you some advice or they're like, hey, Ricky, you should never do aerospace <laughs> or something like that. And you can be like, whoa, I'm never listening to your opinion because, yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that really helps clear the path <laughs> of the people you should and shouldn't be with. Um, Just again, with like so much compassion for them. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, okay, so finally, with the last topic, uh, authenticity. Um, how are you? How were you? And how are you currently working on being authentic in all aspects of your life? Like really, like from your hair <laughs> to <laughs> just like <laughs> to Thank really you. just being in being in and owning the intersection at where you're at and making sure that like everything surrounding you is echoing that authenticity wow that's a really good question also thank you i'm very authentic with my orange hair today the <laughs> process of a hair dye project it's yeah this is not the finished product <laughs> Um, Thank you for showing us what is the in-between product. <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the beautiful. I don't know what to call this. It's like it's gold. Yeah, yeah, golden. Um, yeah, it's. I'm having a nice little frat boy moment in my apartment. <laughs> right? <laughs> a hat indoors. Um, but let's see authenticity. So I think one way that I try to be authentic is, I think I question things a lot and. I always try to ask myself, do I like this thing because I feel like I'm supposed to like this thing or society tells me I should like this thing or do I actually like this thing? It's like, you know, if I could somehow isolate myself from the world and its expectations and pressures, who would I be? Like, what would I actually want to do? Who is the person I would like to be like? And I think when I really think about that, you, you start identifying I guess, the authentic parts of yourself. And I love that. I just want to say, like, mic drop. That's a space debris <laughs> researcher, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you. <laughs> um, and I think another thing is, you know, when you're around some people and you're like, I've never felt better. Like, I feel so in my element. I feel like the best version of myself. And I just feel so comfortable right now. And... I try to think about who I'm around when I feel that way. And I'm like, okay, these are the people that I need to surround myself with because around these people, I'm my most authentic self. And then I also think about who is, who am I when I'm with these people? Like that's who I want to be. And that's, I guess who I am, but it just shows up when I'm around certain people who I feel that level of like vulnerability with or connection with. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then I guess following up to that, um, and in some ways you've already addressed this, um, you know, what does being authentic mean to you? Like, what does that look, what does it look like? I mean, I love that. I love that we're on a live because I can see you and I'm like, I know exactly what it looks like because you're there. Um, <laughs> it, looks like but, this. <laughs> it looks like this. But can you cast a vision for us of what it would mean for you to walk into the German space agency really just like as yourself and be like I'm a space debris researcher and I'm also Singaporean Indian and like multi-hyphenate like <laughs> slash passionate person yeah oh that's a that's a really good question because I often think 
um, especially queer people, queer people of color, we tend to tone ourselves down to be more palatable in some scenarios, especially, I guess, in professional settings, right? You're like, ooh, what if my boss finds that I'm gay? Or like, oh my God, will I be fired? Or you're like, just- oh my God. And it's like that real, that's like the ha 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 real. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Ricky, we have to make reels together at some point. <laughs> okay. But yes, exactly. Yeah, that's the vibe. Yeah, I just, so I, I think that's definitely very valid. And I think being authentic for some people, like, is a privilege. Like, for me right now, I would say I'm very privileged to be visibly queer, just navigating the world as I appear in, in the space that I am. But maybe if I was living in a more conservative place, maybe if I was working at a conservative company, I wouldn't be able to exist as my authentic self. And I, I mean, of course, that sucks. And I really wish nobody had to live that way. But that's a sad reality. But I guess to me personally, from what I know, the DLR is very supportive. And um, yeah, I... So you're like, if you're a queer person, an international student in aerospace, apply to the DLR. That's right. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> um, yeah. And honestly, I just want my work to speak for itself. I think... My mom actually, I don't know, she's probably not watching this, but I, my mom used to tell me, be so good, they can't ignore you. And I think about this a lot. I'm like, sure, I could have orange hair and I could have piercings and whatever, tattoos. But if my work is as good as it should be, there is no reason you can't take me seriously. And And then also like, my work is good, but I also spend a lot of time doing good work researching the places that I can be myself. And yeah. I know myself enough to know where I will thrive the most. Exactly. Yeah, that's so important. Like, it's not just about the job. It's about the culture of the organization. It's about the DNI initiatives at the organization. It's about who your manager is. It's about who your coworkers are. It's about, like, what energy they're bringing in and, like, yeah, just, like, never feel stuck. Like, if you ever feel stuck, do some research on figuring out, like, where it is better. That's so important. Exactly. Like, you're never stuck in most situations. Well, I hope you're not stuck. (laughs) Um, But I, yeah, I often, like, no job is permanent. Like, especially if it's your first job out of college, I think there's so much pressure on us to land our dream job right away. It's like, and like make the best choice right away. Yeah. Or like end up in like Microsoft or Google or like a big name that people will recognize. And you know, if you don't end up at one of those companies, you're, you're a failure and nobody cares about you, but that's so not true. It's, and your first job is, that's exactly what it is. It's your first job. And, and hopefully there's like a one after that. That's even better. (laughs) Yeah, you're just getting your foot through the door, you're taking baby steps, you're just figuring things out. And, you know, it, it's a process like nobody, it's hard to know what's a good fit for you right away. And hey, if you hate your first job, now you know what you don't want to do. And that's one thing that you won't have Learn. to repeat in the future. So yeah, it's also a blessing. And if you repeat it, it's like a lesson that you need to learn until it doesn't happen to you again. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, okay. So my last question to you, or last two questions to you. Just kidding. Last three questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. 
All right. Can you tell me about your morning or night routine and what helps you bounce back when you fall off track? Ooh, okay. Um, not going to tell you my night routine because it's pretty much me scrolling through social media until I fall asleep. But my morning routine is um, I wake up and actually the first thing I do is I read this thing called the skim. And for people who don't know, it's a email subscription newsletter thing and every single day they send you the news and it's really it's like well written it's only like it takes you five minutes to read it and it you know what's happening in the world which is nice and it wakes my brain up um and then I check my email to see if any meetings are canceled that day <laughs> class is canceled um and then I do my daily duolingo <laughs> in bed <laughs> gotta keep that streak going because I think there's this thing where um, when you finish a small task, it like actually motivates you to like do a bigger mm. task. So I like starting my day with like, get the Duolingo done. And then I feel good. I'm like, okay, I just, I did something. Yeah. And, uh, and it doesn't and have to be a workout. It can be your Duolingo. You're working out your brain. <laughs> exactly. Um, and something that I've been doing more recently during quarantine as, you know, my days have been starting slower is eating breakfast by the window so I make myself a bowl of cereal and so we have like plants along the windowsill and I like to go stand there pretend I'm a plant just like in the sun <laughs> and I just like look outside the window and I eat my breakfast and it's just like five to ten minutes of me existing and just standing there and like staring at the sky and I don't know about you but like that it's, I feel like we don't do that enough. We, we're constantly like running from one thing to the next throughout the day. So yeah, my breakfast staring at the sky time is my sacred time. Where I just like, I'm not thinking about anything. I'm literally, it's like meditation in a way. I'm just like present. And yeah, when I finish my breakfast, I'm like, okay, so what am I doing today? Have a mental plan of what the plan is. Yeah. And then yeah, that, that's what I do every morning. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so two more questions. What does success in STEM mean to you? Ooh. Honestly, I would say just doing my best. Um, I think if you'd asked me this question like a few years ago, I probably would have said, to be the best aerospace engineer in the world. But I think right now, it's, it's like, what does that even mean? <laughs> exactly, right? Like, am I going to be happy if I'm the best aerospace engineer in the world? So I feel like now it's not about becoming really famous or being the smartest person in the room or building a rocket to go to Mars. It's more of, can I confidently say every day that like, today I want to work and I gave it my all. I was super passionate. I was super enthusiastic and like, I really killed it. Like, I and I really cared. Like, I was really there. Yes, I was there. I, I was there. Oh, that's so important. And I think one day when I'm working at a job and I, if I can say this confidently every day, like, I'm doing my best. I'm, yeah, I'm just really here for this. I think that's when I will, I, I believe that I've succeeded. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> so my last question is, what does wellness mean to you? Wow, that's a that's a good question. Um, I think wellness to me is all about the mental health and fostering a state of mind that 
helps you perform in other areas of your life. Like I think if that's incomplete, it's gonna show in your work, in your friendships, in your relationships. And honestly, I feel like I personally don't do much wellness and your account, Ricky, has inspired me so much. Like I'm not gonna lie. Like I think your account was actually the first time I stopped to think about like, do I prioritize wellness in my life? Um, but yeah, I think something I've grown to realize is there's no one definition of wellness and for different people, wellness is something very different. And for me personally, I've realized wellness is having a lazy day. Like there are some days when I roll out of bed at noon, um, I'm just watching TV all day or I'm like on TikTok for hours without changing out of my pajamas. And, you know, I used to think like, oh, I've that's, I've been so useless, like what a horrible day, like I feel so bad. But then I realized that I suck once in a while, like you need a day like that to perform really well the next day. Yeah. And, like, and so when I have a day like that, the rest of the week is usually really productive. And I'm like, actually, I'm glad I had a lazy day on Tuesday. Like I feel like that sort of helped me, yeah, perform better right like feeling like the world doesn't need anything from you today or right now in the moment oh yeah and that's I think harder to say like if you have a family and like um people that you're taking care of um so to anyone listening I would like encourage you to listen to the mothers that have been on my series or the um anticipating mothers or like the people who will be moms um on my series but yeah I think just like without ha like as international students like far away from our families like having a lazy day is so important where it's like I don't have to think about anything <laughs> for sure like I love those days when you're like my purpose today is to exist like I'm just gonna keep myself alive and like this is it this is the form <laughs> and nothing else is expected of me um yeah that's really nice. Again, a privilege, <laughs> but um, definitely a nice, a, a nice privilege. Um, okay, so those are all my questions. Do you have any parting thoughts or anything else that you wish you said? Um, anything that popped up in your mind? Um, I know I already touched upon this once, but I'll say it again for international students. Do not let anybody tell you that you can't do this major or that you're not going to be an aerospace engineer because I was told that by so many people and I almost believed it. Like I was so close to believing it. Oh, and me too. I was like, I, <laughs> I know. And now that I look back and I'm trying to think of like 2015 Poppy who just like started aerospace engineering, who is so insecure about like her position in this field. I'm like, look at where you end up. Like, yes. yes and I want <laughs> yeah, like honestly, every single international student, like you got this. And if you're not tied to the U.S., please, please, please apply elsewhere and look elsewhere because the world is big. <laughs> and trust me, somewhere there is a company who will absolutely hire you. You just have to, yeah, look for them. And yeah, and I oh, think like, focus. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Focusing so on, like, the 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 role you want like not just thinking like spending a lot of time thinking about like what you actually want to do in aerospace rather than just being in aerospace because it's like ask yourself like what does that mean <laughs> like yeah, what do I actually want to do here because I think 
so many folks get tied to a country or a continent or an area where they're saying, I just want to be here, which is fine. So then go about it that way. But if you really want like um, an aligned, intentional, authentic (laughs) aerospace engineering career, maybe ask yourself like, what do I actually want to do in this field? Like, go rewatch this conversation after I post it and like ask yourself all these questions to say, okay, well, am I actually tied geographically to an area to be able to achieve this? And like, what if I was like the best person (laughs) in this field, in this other geographical location? And like the world would know me anyway. Wouldn't that be wild? Like, what if the world knew you anyways, and you were, like, thriving in, like, what you care about, and absolutely, you met your definition of success and wellness as an international student in aerospace, and you won because you didn't listen to the people who told you you couldn't have it. Like, that's when you win, right? Mm-hmm. When you say, <laughs> yeah, well, actually, <laughs> like, definitely, and another thing is, of course, finding community. And Ricky, I think like your, your account is a great place for that. It's incredible to see so many international students like commenting and like just being a part of this. And yeah, I think we really need to build that support system. And I think we need to realize that we're not alone. Because initially, I feel like there's no visibility of international students in aerospace. And like, queer international students in aerospace. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of them. Like, we have these campus, you know, aerospace organizations, but the needs of international students are so different from domestic students that sometimes grouping them together and having events, like, I mean, if it's a general, like, educational event, like, that's great. But, you know, when you have recruiters come in and talk about a company that doesn't hire half of the students in this organization, like, that's a little, it's like, okay, guess I'll just sit here and hear about this position that I'll never get. Um, so I, I think there definitely need to be more spaces like this. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I guess like plugging it in here, um, I'm like building a nonprofit with like two other international students in aerospace where Pavi, I hope you're involved um, Absolutely. Oh when God. we can get you involved um, just to make sure there is that community and these needs are being met. Um, but until then, I'm just here on social media to tell you that you can do it (laughs) by having these conversations and sharing my story as much as I can. Um, But yeah, those were all my questions. Thank you so much for your time. How can people find you or connect with you um, so that they can kind of follow your journey a little bit better? Sure. Instagram works great. I'm also on Facebook under Pavi Ravi. Um, You can also shoot me an email, but for that, please DM me on Instagram and then I can give you my email. Um, but yeah, happy. I'm really happy to chat with any international student who's struggling or has questions. Um, and also another piece of advice for in- international students is reach out to people. Like there's so many of us all around the world and I'm sure so many people are happy to help. And But reach out kindly. Like <laughs> <laughs> maybe not a huge um, like college essay, <laughs> like an application. But just like a, yeah, be brief with your purpose. Like, it's really helpful when you mention what you want to talk about. So like, hey, can I talk to you about aircraft safety research? Like, you know, something specific. Or like help people help you. Like, help Uh, them help you. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a lovely rest of your day. Happy Pride. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> and I will be posting this as soon as I can. Um, you can share it with whoever you want in the community. I hope international students, queer international students, queer folks in aerospace reach out to you. Thank you so much for being who you are, being all of these things. Thank it you means a lot to a lot of people. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It really means a lot. And I think you're you're doing a, a wonderful job of just spreading, just, I guess, giving, Exhales. People, <laughs> giving people the opportunity to exhale. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're just giving people hope. And I think that's so, so important. And I, and I wish I had someone like you when I was oh. you know, a scared young child who was like, can I do aerospace as a foreigner? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah. Have a great evening. I'll be ending the live now. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Leadership Equity and Wellness Pod with Ricky Roy. You can find me at Ricky Roy on Instagram and Ricky underscore Roy at TikTok. And learn more about me at RickyRoy.com.